The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, Mr. Antenna, and by Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. Now your host, Jim Tofty. The new three-part, six-hour documentary series, Hemingway, is co-directed by Ken Burns and Lynn Novick. Starting this week on PBS, it paints a new, revealing, intimate picture of writer Ernest Hemingway, and it also penetrates the myth of Hemingway as a man's man. I've got filmmaker Ken Burns on the line right now from his home in New Hampshire. Ken, welcome back to the show. And first, I have to tell you that your series Baseball has been running on PBS recently, and it is so good. It was the reason that I fell in love with your documentaries in the first place. That's so nice of you to say, Jim. Thank you. Yeah, we've just recently uh, gone through a frame-by-frame restoration of baseball and converted it from 16 millimeter to Ultra HD 4K. And I'm I'm seeing stuff I hadn't seen, and I shot most of the the pictures in the film, the old photographs. You can read license plates now, the way you couldn't before. So it's it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I guess I'll have to make the uh, transition from the VHS. I have the whole series on VHS. Yeah, just tell you that. I'm sorry, Jim. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but uh, yeah, if you do that, you'll have your mind blown by the by the, the you know if you get the Blu-rays or the DVDs, it, it will it will mean that your annual uh, trip to baseball or or however you enjoy the series, uh, will be that much richer. Now oh, that's great. Well, your latest is about writer Ernest Hemingway. Were there any interruptions because of the pandemic? Yes. I mean, we went to ground uh, just after we recorded uh, Jeff Daniels, the voice of Ernest Hemingway, March 1st and 2nd, a Monday and Tuesday, 2020. And I remember I was in New York, and I live in New Hampshire, and I was uh, you know, going to go home the next day, but uh, somebody said, you know, I was going to go out to dinner, and I and I said, you know what, I think I'm going to go home tonight. And so I drove home late that night and got back, and I haven't left. And so we had to learn how to adapt, to edit over Zoom, to mix with these very complicated, very esoteric programs that permitted us real time without the sorts of distortion that Zoom would bring if you're listening microscopically to 40 tracks at once and trying to calibrate them to do the online so that it was faithful to the the color and all of that. It was very, very complicated to do. We've sort of stopped in our upcoming films doing too very many interviews. We're able to go out and do live cinematography, and those archives that are digital we can access, but those archives that aren't, that we have to wait until they reopen to get in. So there's a little bit of treading water, but I've been very lucky. Um, we've all been lucky, all of colleagues being able to continue to work. And, you know, I miss, the, you know, I'm, in, I'm talking to you from my barn, which is usually a bustle uh, with people, advisors and producers from out of town and, our, and the crew talking about the various film. And I'm here with my dog. Okay. Well, it's this is a three-part series. So did you kind of struggle to fit everything in that you wanted? Yeah, thank you for saying that finally, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we started off saying that this was going to be two parts, and then we suddenly realized we had so much material that it became three parts. And, and even then, you know, we did some really tough editing. I think it makes it better. I don't think it should have been four. My next film, which will be out in September, is a four-part um, one on Muhammad Ali, and that could have been ten parts. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just so endlessly interesting. But um, that, 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 I think, is a disciplined four parts, eight hours. Um, this is a story of a guy who is arguably the greatest writer 
uh, in the 20th century in America and, and a great writer that is recognized around the world who invented his own mythology that made it impossible for us to see a real vulnerability, this sort of toxic, masculine, macho image. And uh, we got beyond it. We figured out a way to break through with letters, with people reading those letters, voices of him, uh, as well as his writing. And what you get is a complicated uh, man with lots of contradictions, lots of flaws, in which we don't ever forgive him for. But at the end, you, you can understand a great deal of... You can have some compassion for him because of what he went through, all the things he was dealing with. Uh, that would lead up to his tragic end. Did you learn anything from his family members that maybe you didn't know before? Of course, yes. We were very fortunate to interview Patrick twice, his his surviving son, only surviving child. And um, Patrick was incredibly uh, generous to us and, you know, told us about the good times, but also the bad, and understood and trusted us to to modulate, to to calibrate it in a way that would be fair. So it's tough if you're a member of the Hemingway family to look at it, but it's also exultant because it does celebrate his position as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, uh, American writer of the 20th century. And uh, and you, you feel how great the art is. Jeff Daniels does a magnificent job. You know, he doesn't act young or old, but he has to be youthful in the beginning and old in the end. He has to do fiction as well as nonfiction. He has to do letters that are less polished than the, you know, the famous um, pared-down prose that he would edit and re-edit and re-edit. He had 47 different endings to A Farewell to Arms, 47 different endings until he got the one he wanted. Wow. I mean, he just was a, he, his discipline was so impressive. That's the thing that I loved so much about working on this film. I mean, it's the kind of obsessiveness that we wish to bring to our work. And we've been working on this for six and a half years, and we have arguments about a comma, a comma you won't see because guess what? This is a film, you know, <laughs> but, but, and, and so you'd think that making a documentary is additive. It's actually subtractive. You know, we collect a lot of material and then pull away what, what, what we don't need. You know, I'm talking to you from New Hampshire. We make maple syrup here. It takes 40 gallons of sap to make one gallon of maple syrup. And that is exactly the ratio that we do in documentary. It's about 40 to one. So if we have a six-hour film, which we have, we have 40 times those six hours at least of material that we're drawing on, photographs, footage, newsreels, you know, writing, uh, all all this various graphics, uh, you know, amazing amount of material, interviews. So, uh, you know, our job is really like Hemingway to edit, edit, edit till it's down to the spare, spare storytelling that, that, we're known for, and and he is obviously immortal for. Ken, with all the questions of racial divide in the country, uh, do you think that if you had done your Civil War documentaries now, that there would have been a a different commentary on that? I think probably, but that's unfair. You know, we made the film we made. We begin after the introduction with this devastating quote by Frederick Douglass about looking over the beauty of America, but when he thinks that it that the soil drinks or the rivers flow with the blood of his sisters and, and, the, and the land soaks up the tears of his outraged brothers. I'm filled with unutterable loathing. We were, we were prefiguring all the things we're talking about now. And so I think that, you know, people for, for more than a century had convinced us that it was just about states' rights when, in fact, it's about slavery. I mean, 
there's not one mention of the word states' rights in the in the South Carolina Articles of Secession, South Carolina being the first state to secede after Abraham Lincoln was elected president in 1860. They do mention slavery an awful lot. And for some reason, we spent a long time, you know, amplified by popular stuff like Birth of a Nation and Gone with the Wind that gives us an upside-down version. So, you know, we attempted to tell a complete story about it. But, of course, I grow and learn and scholarship changes. And so if we did the Civil War today, it would be in a in probably a different sort of light. I'm sad because it wouldn't have Shelby Foote because he passed away. Um, you know, so uh, right. there are other Barbara the the uh, the black scholar from Columbia University who is also in the film and terrific is still alive. So we'd have her and we you know, it would necessarily be different, just as you and I are different, I assume, from how you were in nineteen ninety. And I started that in eighty four. You know, so eighty four to ninety is when I, I worked on it. Um, I'm, I'm certainly a different kind of person, uh, than I was then. I had one child, uh, when I made that, started making it, and I now have four daughters and four grandchildren. Well, and by the way, before I let you go, because I know that you've got other things to do today, I can so relate to something you said in the past, that you honor your late mom with your work, and, and it's a constant creative process, isn't it? I lost my mom when I was 11, and I realized with the help of my late father-in-law, who was an eminent psychologist, um, that I've spent my entire life waking the dead. And I said, what? He said, look what you do for a living. You make Abraham Lincoln and Jackie Robinson come alive. Who do you think you really want to wake up? Right. And so in a way, I think all of us are doing that. You wouldn't be talking to me if my mom hadn't died. I wouldn't be here. These films wouldn't be here. And so I have to, on a daily basis, honor her absence. And I'll tell you, next. Next month, tomorrow, starting tomorrow, uh, in April, it will be 56 years that I've been without a mom. Yeah. And that is way too long to be without a mom. And that is both a sad thing, but it's something I've tried to turn into a galvanic thing, something that could be the engine of my curiosity and the engine of my creativity, such as it may be. Always learned so much talking to you, Ken. Ken Burns' new three-part series, Hemingway, on PBS, starting Monday. Ken, great luck, and, and I'll see you down the road. Great, Jim. Thanks. I so appreciate the time. I really do. By the way, Hemingway also features one of the last appearances that John McCain made on camera. He was a huge Hemingway fan. And what can you say about the cast? It features Jeff Daniels, Meryl Streep, Carrie Russell, Mary Louise Parker, to name a few, along with longtime narrator Peter Coyote. Well, that finishes this episode of the Fake Show podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.